Economic news on SAFM. Facts and figures you can count on. Research analyst Fundiswang Kuta. Good morning, everybody. And good to see you, as always. Uh, South African Consumers Index came out um, yesterday. What was the outcome from that? Oh, it wasn't so good. We're not happy as consumers in mm. South Africa. South African Consumer Confidence Index showed that it's worsened from minus nine. Uh, well, it's worse than two minus nine in the second quarter from minus five in the first quarter, showing that consumers have remained under pressure throughout the year in 2017. I know I've certainly felt the pressure because what this meant in general for consumers is that we're cutting back on spending on basics um, such as furniture and now going into luxury goods such as cars and appliances and non-essential items, which further is going to further impact on the economy because you're going to see that coming out in the retail numbers. And the decline in consumer confidence, as you know, we've spoken about this at length, is issues such as the GDP numbers, which came out last month, the the high unemployment figures, which we heard a few months ago, um, the downgrades, of course, as well as the political environment, which has been quite dim throughout the year, as well as the fact that South Africans now know that we've entered into a recession. So all these factors kind of weigh in on your mind and they say, oh, oh I can't go and buy that nice pair of shoes or my next car. I have mm. to be quite cautious about my spending. And we see this because consumers' the confidence in South Africa has been negative for the past three years. And this has been the longest peak of pessimism by South African consumers since the index was launched in 1982, which is quite scary stuff. And this emphasizes that you as a consumer are quite concerned about the weak economic outlook, your job security. You don't know if you're going to have a job tomorrow, your weak income growth, as well as the scarcity in employment opportunities. And earlier this year, we saw that inflation has been coming down slightly. And usually when inflation comes down, this boosts your spending power. But despite the fact that inflation has softened on the back of the lower fuel prices, which was announced about two weeks ago, went down by 63 cents, as well as the lower food inflation, uh, what's happening is that the purchasing power of consumers is still quite weak and continues to dampen, especially in low-income households. And if we unpack this, and this is as a result of there's little or not, no job creation, some of the companies have been scrapping or reducing their overtime pay and their bonuses. And we heard earlier this year in the budget speech that personal income taxes have gone up. So if you just see the balance or the weight in the equation is that your income, your salary is increasing modestly, but then your income... Or not at all. Or not at all. And then your personal taxes are going up. So it basically erodes all the gains that you've made in your, pers- in your personal income. Um, and then you can't spend more in the economy. And usually what helped the consumers in the past was that they'd rely on credits in order to get them through mm-hmm. the tough times. But now we've seen with the policies coming from the banks and other retailers is they're not so willing to give out um, credit as much as they used to. So now consumers are finding it even tougher to get through. The struggle is very real. Now, interesting story. Nigerian finance minister uh, came out to say that Nigeria cannot borrow uh, money anymore. Why is that? Yes, so the Nigerian finance minister came out to say they can't afford to continue borrowing anymore to fund their budget deficits. And what they need to do is they need to find other funding mechanisms. So this is after Nigeria has been planning to obtain $2 billion in foreign loans from institutions. Yes, it's scary. (laughs) 
from institutions such as the World Bank, and they've also been issuing euro bonds throughout this year. And Nigeria, which is the largest economy in Africa, is in its first recession in 25 years. And it's basically planning to borrow from overseas in order for it to get out of the economic woes which they find themselves in. And to give you an idea of how big the Nigerian budget is, it's 7.4 trillion naira, which is about $25 billion, which is a lot of money. And the deficit is 7.5 billion dollars. So they they need to find money somewhere, whether in the foreign market or in the domestic market in order to fill this deficit. And yes, I can see your face. You are completely shocked. That's scary. It's scary. And now they're failing to obtain this $2 billion, which they're trying to plug in because financiers from overseas are frustrated that Nigeria is refusing to impose fiscal reforms, such as the foreign exchange, allowing it to flow freely. As you probably know, um, Sakina, the Nigerian currency is fixed. And the problem with the fixed exchange rate is that you don't know when the currency is going to be devalued. And over the past year, it's moved. In January last year, it was about 199 naira for $1. And now it's moved down to 315 So imagine you as an investor going to put your money in Nigeria and when you have to take your money out a year later, you're getting so much less value than what you put in. And imagine you as a, bo- as, as a borrower and you're trying to get money from overseas, especially even now in this case, we're speaking about the government. If the government goes and goes to borrow from overseas, today, one dollar was one ninety nine. Tomorrow, a dollar is three fifteen. Imagine how much more your debt obligations become over the space of a year. So it really does put a strain on on local currencies. So that's why um, the overseas market is really trying to get Nigeria to have a free floating exchange rate, just for certainty and so that you know um, what the exchange rate is and you're quite aware. And yesterday we started on the topic of diversification mm. with Tanzania. And I mentioned that the problem with Nigeria is that they're relying so much on their oil revenue and it's been constituting so much of their budget. And just to illustrate this, I'm sure you remember when the oil price was at $150 per barrel. Because I remember my mom used to say the car doesn't (laughs) run on water and juice. And at that point, the oil revenue which Nigeria was generated constituted 90% of Nigeria's revenue, which is a lot. And now it's gone down under 50%. So this brings out some key points about the Nigerian economy is that they must diversify in order to generate this more revenue instead of borrowing. And they also need to improve tax collection. So on the point of diversification, this would be industrializing. But you know Nigeria has the other problem of the foreign liquidity. They don't have access to foreign liquidity. And on the point of the tax collection, they need to improve the tax base. But you know how big the informal economy is in Nigeria. So it becomes quite difficult for them to do this. You know what? Um, yeah, it, it, it's scary stuff. And um, I think the way you've outlined it, very often as citizens, we don't think of it in those terms of what it actually means to you personally um, when your government does go out and borrow. Um, but uh, just very quickly, your views on um, the um, much anticipated announcement yesterday by uh, Fed Chairperson Janet Yellen. 
Yes, one of the big finance highlights of the week was Janet Yellen's announcement yesterday and her basic remarks were that the U.S. economy is now healthy, they can go ahead with tightening monetary policy and this would entail raising rates and winding down the massive bond portfolio. So the market expects that the Fed will have at least one more rate hike of 25 basis points by the end of the year. The next meeting is end of this month in July, so according to the market, they forecast that there's a 96% chance that the Fed will rate, will hike the rates. Um, we also saw that in the speech, it was a bit dovish so that we know going forward in the future, the Fed will be less aggressive with rate hikes. The other focus in Yellen's speech is that she really wants to shrink the U.S. balance sheets. And if we remember the recession of 2008, what the U.S. economy, uh, or the Fed did in order to stimulate the economy during the recession was they were pumping money into the economy. And how they did that was to buy up bonds. And as some of those bonds matured over the years, they would reinvest money into the bonds. But now, in order to reduce liquidity circulation in the economy, because now the economy is strong enough, they will no longer reinvest and they will allow those bonds to expire. And all of this is because... The economy is now strong. We've seen with the U.S. data that came out last week, Friday, with employment and as well as the economic growth in the country is around 2%. So they're not doing too badly. But what's going to happen is us as the South Africans are going to come um, a little bit under pressure because Iran is going to come under pressure through this news as I've previously mentioned that when the U.S. Um, interest rates increase and when they reduce liquidity, the emerging markets can come under pressure. Why investors would rather put their money in America where they have higher interest rates and it's a safer market than put their money in emerging markets.